We are one day away from training camp 2019, and I cannot wait. Welcome, everybody, to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris here, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer there. Mark, one day. One day, Johnny, that's Less it. Less than a day. Less than a day. It's not even a day. It's tomorrow morning. It's tomorrow morning. You We're and I there. on the air, training camp live. So here's how it's going to go. Yep. From 6 to 8, you hear Payne and Pendergast, Sean and Seth. Mm-hmm. Then we take over from 8 to 10. Then you'll hear Landry Lopez from 10 until 2. Yep. And, of course, Clint Campbell. So that'll be your schedule on Sports Radio 610 through the weekdays up until the Thursday game against the Green Bay Packers up North. Which is two weeks from tomorrow night, by the way. I right. think that's also important to point out. We're two weeks away from an actual game with this team. Well, I, you know what? I've, I've thought about that, but I hadn't thought about it until you just said, like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. And it's a strange dynamic. Wow. You know, not being away for the start of camp, this is the first home launch of camp in three years. Yeah. And it sounds like a long time when you say it like that because it has been. We got used to going to the Greenbrier, and now you're back in Houston. And even though you have had practices here for sure, uh, you had the joint practices, what, two Niners. years ago? Or two oh, no. years ago with, uh, well, you had them with the Patriots. Up there. Maybe there were no And then joint. we went to New Orleans. We went to New Orleans. Right. That's right. Anyway, it's all a blur. Last year was the Niners. Last year was the 49ers here. Boy, they did that, huh? They actually showed up here for that and lived to tell about it, sort of. They had a bad season. Kyle Shanahan should know about Houston. He should know about it in Detroit. I mean, if anything, we should be going up to Detroit. I know. They want to come down here and do some practicing? Fine with us. That's okay. Matt Patricia wants to make them tougher. Here, this put it in context for me, Mark. When I, I started thinking about, you know, just writing something real quick about training camp. And I was like, look, I'm going to write so much about training camp and what happens at training camp. I'm just hit on some of the things I've been thinking about. Mm-hmm. And I wrote kind of this little notes article. And it says, how often does an NFL roster turnover? Keep this to your point. Yeah. Last time we were here for training camp was 2016. Right. Of the 83 players that will start training camp. Now, 83 because you've got, you know, three guys on pup. In yeah. Watt Hopkins and Carter, you got a, a couple of rookies dealing with some stuff. So 83 guys will take the field. And then obviously, J.D., I, I would imagine, is not going to. So you got 83 guys taking the field. Yeah. Of those 83 taking the field, how many of them were mm. here for training camp in 2016? How many of those 83 were here for 20 ca- uh, 2016 training camp three years ago? I'm going to say 34. Oh, man. 13. What? 13. I mean, I didn't even look. This is bad. I was that off. 13 of the 83 who will take the field tomorrow. 13 of the 83. Were here three years ago in 2016. That's it. That's how. I mean, you can start naming them. I mean, you think about the rookie class in 2016. So it's like Nick Martin, Will Fuller, uh, DJ Reader, Mm -hmm. a couple undrafted guys uh, in that class as well. But Watson wasn't here yet. Deontay Foreman wasn't here yet. So here's another one. Yeah. On that same note, of the 83 that will take the field, yeah, 51 were still in college the last time the Texans had training camp here. And it's, it was just two years. It was just two years. But that's how fast it that's goes. That's how fast an NFL roster and, flips over. And you think about this now. When you bring in people from underneath like that, college draft, yep. college free agents, some street free agents, if you will, unrestricted free agents. 
if you bring them in like that, you're cutting off a whole layer on the top, right? right? Where does that layer go? Some of them end up with other teams. Most of them end up where? Retired. Done. It's the not-for-long league. That's what happens, and that's the real severity of this profession. Well, the real severity is getting hurt, obviously, but the severity of it's not long. You better not make plans to be around here forever. You're going to try to be around here forever, and forever being a sort of a facetious way of describing a long career. But I think that it it does paint the picture very well, what you point out right there, that it is flipped so often. And this is not just the Texans. Most teams are like what you just said. Yes. Yes. They rotate very quickly. It's not not unusual. This might be a little unusual. Okay. The – Projected starting offense for your Texans. Yeah. The player with the most NFL seniority. Oh, gosh. Is Lamar Miller with eight years. More than Hopkins because Hopkins. Seven. Yep. That's that. I mean, the Texans only have one offensive player with 10 years of service in the NFL. It's Joe Webb. And I know some would say, well, you know, Joe's more a special teamer. But, you know, if you consider him, he's the only player with 10-plus years. Now, there's only one player with 10-plus years on the defensive side, and that's J.J. J.J., that's Jonathan Joseph. Now, he's going into his 14th training camp. Yeah, he is the OG. He said today as he was walking in, we had uh, entrance videos, guys coming in, he was like, number 14, and it got me thinking. So 14 years ago, we didn't have TwitFace. Uh-huh. We didn't have – we barely had Facebook. <laughs> we didn't have face. smartphones. We didn't have smartphones. Oh, my god! So, we, I mean, all that we didn't have when he started training camp, when he started his NFL career, none of that was available. Isn't that incredible that, that he has a career and all this stuff evolves around him? It's Yeah. So, I mean, I came up with you know some of these kind of training camp nuggets, some of the things we talked about. Yeah. Some of the things in the season. Uh, it, and here's, here's one. Here's, here's a trivia question for you. Okay. So, last year, the player from an obscure university was Vincent Smith. From sure. Limestone College. Yeah. This year, DJ Coker, the offensive lineman, rookie. Rookie interior offensive lineman from Rhodes College. Do you know where that is? Don't say anything. Don't say anything. If you all know it, hit me up on Twitter, at Football. Rhodes College. You know, I know where it is because one of my players ended up going there and playing four years of college there. I so, know. I've... I've definitely heard of it, okay. Johnny. This is not as obscure as Limestone. No, it's was not. To me. It's not. But I guarantee you, fans are like Rhodes College. It's in Rhodes Island. Is that no. like? <laughs> <laughs> is that like? A, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. When I was a senior, I went on my my official visit to uh, to Brown University, and I came back. And of course, when you come back from those visits, you you know wearing gear. So I was wearing a sweatshirt, Brown University, and so I went to school that day and. Somebody's like, well, where were you on Friday? I was like, well, you know, I went on my official visit. I went to Brown University. She looked at me, and she's like, where is that? Like, West Texas? <laughs> I was brown. like, no. It's brown. No. You know, it's just the color. It's definitely not out of West Texas. Red University. Uh, no. Uh, we Later in the show, I will have my ultimate 11 reasons you want to get to training camp and want to see training camp and what I'll be looking for at training camp. I like that. We'll also have our... In the lab snippet where Drew and I talked about the excitement level we feel going into a season, when was the last time we felt as excited as we are heading into this one? But before we get to gut reaction, a little bit of news from the Texans this early evening, if you will. Yep. Justin Reed will be going on Active PUP NFI. So 
that can mean a lot of different things as we've talked about. Hopefully this isn't going to be a long, drawn-out thing with Justin, but that news coming out today that Justin Reed will start the training camp season, if you will, on NFI. Yeah, NFI, not football injury. That means anything that you suffered that's an injury of any kind right. that was away from the building, away from team supervision, has to get reported like this. Could be something that's not very serious at all, but right. the problem is, and here's why they have to do it. They did it for Kahale Waring, um, and I'll just hypothesize here. I don't speculate on their injuries. I don't know, but if you have, let's say it's an ankle, and you're okay, though, two days into practice, uh, you're fine, You know, even though you suffered the ankle injury on a beach in Malibu, right. if you re-aggravate that injury, if you do something to it to further injure, injure yourself with that injury, well, that becomes an NFI result, really. So it's – and it all goes back to the collective bargaining agreement right. and all of that. So it's um, it's really a distinction. So we don't know how serious it is. I mean, he tweeted out football is back. Justin Reed, he's super fired up. So let's just hope everything's going to be okay soon enough. Okay. Voice of the Texans, I want to do some gut reactions. So do we're going to fire through fire. some of these. Okay. Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones said, and I quote, I'm going to hit 3K this season. All about the team. And, <laughs> and by 3K, he means yeah. 3,000 3, receiving, receiving yards. yards. Yeah, he's not going to do it. And let's think about when players set these goals, Chris Johnson, 2,000 yards yeah. comes to mind. Right. They don't get achieved for the most part. Right. And to hit 2,000 yards as a receiver would be absolutely ridiculous. Forget about 3,000. Yep. That means you need the ball. I mean, think about how many, yard, how many yards That's a hundred, game. nearly 190 per game. Yeah, you're not, you're not getting there. Sorry. 190 per game. Remember when Andre Johnson had that two-game stretch in 2012 where he had a gazillion catches yeah, yeah. for 200-plus yards yeah. in each of those games or something like that? It was the most productive two-game stretch in the history of the NFL for any receiver. Right. You'd have to do that for 16 games. You'd have to, you, but you're not going to do 190. So you're going to have some games where it's less than 100. So right. you have to offset that with some unbelievable. Now, he does have some unbelievable games. There's right. no doubt. He's not going to hit 3,000. It's nice to float it out there, and it's all about the team. Yeah, it is all about the team. Speaking of all about the team, in Duval County. Oh, gosh. Oh, I saw this. And the Jaylen, Jaguars. Jalen Ramsey showed up in a Brinks truck. Your gut reaction. My gut reaction is it's all about I the team, it. Johnny. It's I all about it. look. I've had he I'm walked Jaylen out Ramsey. and there were money bags in the truck. I've had I've had a tough <laughs> off season. I get it, but now that I'm here, I'm here to work and be here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh wait, I'm showing up in a Brinks truck with fake money bags in the back to send a message to management that I need more money. But it's all about the team, of course. And then some people are listening. Well. What it's his right to look. I get it, but it's not contract negotiation time. It really isn't. It's well, time he's to play already football. said he already said that he's not getting a contract this year. So why are you doing this? I don't know. I Is this pay hilarious. me, Rick? <laughs> it could. It could be. It could be. It could pay, pay me, Tom. T- pay me, Tom. Mm-hmm. It could very. It could very well be. So it, it's. I thought it was funny. Yeah. I, what I thought was really interesting was the Jaguars themselves tweeted that. They were there. I know, I know. I mean, all the cameras gathered around. Right. And I, who was on the megaphone for them? I don't know Buddy who that or was. something? I don't know who that was. So all the cameras gathered around. And look, I, as an outsider, I love it. I think it's tremendous. Yeah. It's great showmanship. Right. But it says to me that the Jaguars are broken on the runway, okay? Yeah. They will have trouble getting out of port because I just don't think they're together. Now, they have talent. They've got great talent on defense. I get it. But I think this is going to be a real tough go for them. And 
I'm not saying they can't win six, maybe seven games, but I think that's about it. For okay, them. so let's go to part B. Okay. Yannick Ngakwe, Jaguar star defensive end. Yeah. Apparently will hold out from training camp. He was offered a four-year, $76 million deal with $50 million guaranteed, what which insult. is less than what Frank Clark and Demarcus Lawrence got. Yeah. He said, get bent. I'm not coming. Your gut reaction. Well, how many sacks last year for Ngakwe? Double digits. I mean, I mean it's he, been double digits. He is good, Johnny. Oh, yeah. And, and yep. these guys did get – Frank Clark got good money. He and did. And Lawrence, too, right? So, yep. uh, this is contract negotiation time in a way, right? It, yeah, for him and, it is. And he – I hate people he holding had nine and out. a half sacks last year. I just don't like holding out. But it is camp, and if he shows up, in enough time to get ready for the regular season, good for him. Now, as a Texan, I think he should Hold sit out, out the season. long as he wants. I think he and Andrew Luck, actually, even though he's on a different team, but should show his support yes. for Nkakwe. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Season. Let's stay with the AFC South okay. for what I have a feeling will be our final one. Okay. Your gut reaction to this. Titans left tackle Taylor Luan announced on I guess it was his Instagram, his social media page, whatever his his own. He's got a he's got a video thing he does called the Boys. Mm-hmm. He announced that he failed a drug test and he is facing a four game suspension. Wait, PED drug or recreational? Yes. No, it sounds like it's PED. He in fact said what the drug was that he got nailed with. Like on the video, I watched the video. He got he got uh, he got very emotional when he was talking about it. You can tell that he cares about Nashville. But before you answer, keep this in mind. The Tennessee Titans' first four games that apparently he will miss include two AFC South teams. They include the Colts and they include the Jaguars, which means if Ngakwe gets back. But they open at Cleveland. They get the Colts at home. Mm -hmm. They go to Jacksonville. And then they go to Atlanta. All right, if I'm playing scoreboard watcher, and I'm not playing scoreboard watcher because I admit it, I am in scoreboard watchers anonymous, and I am in scoreboard watchers anonymous from week one. Yep. I've got a problem, and I admit it, and that's the first step to recovery. I, as a scoreboard watcher, don't like this, actually. I'd rather have him sit later if he's going to sit, like when he plays the Texans, yeah. because I need. We didn't. De- we didn't I, beat them when he didn't play. I'm rooting for the Titans, not so much against Cleveland, because you know it helps the AFC South. Right. It helps the Texans if Cleveland wins. But I'm out on that Cleveland plank, predicting trouble for the Browns. So right. as a prognosticator, I wouldn't mind if the Titans did well in that game. But no, Cleveland's got to win. But Titans versus Colts. I want the Titans to beat the Colts. Yes. I want to hurt the Colts as much as possible because I think the Titans ultimately are going to come up short anyway. Right. I don't want the Colts having steam. So in that way, I don't like this deal. As far as the Jags Titans thing goes, eh, it's a wash. But they got to face the Falcons and they got to face the Browns. Like you said, two of the more explosive offenses. Mm. I don't know if they've got great defenses, but Tack McKinley for the Falcons. The Browns are going to bring. The thing is, is in those games they will face. From the Browns, Miles Garrett. Yeah, they will face the Colts, and the Colts are going to throw a bunch of different guys. Maybe not a star, but they got a bunch of different guys they can throw. Kamiko Toure, Justin Houston, uh, Ben Banagu. Houston. Oh my gosh, you had to remind me. The Jags may have Ngakwe back, but you're definitely going to see Calais Campbell. Yeah. The Falcons will throw Tack McKinley, Vic Beasley, uh, a couple of athletic guys. I don't know if they're great off the edge, but either way, 
That's what the Titans are going to face in the first four games. I mean, all of those teams, except for the Browns, the Texans play too. So you know that you're dealing with a very tough schedule this yes. year. A lot of, a lot of great players. I mean, you've been highlighting the individuals that you'll see during this schedule as well as the teams. Uh, but it's really the offenses that worry you the most. And Julio Jones, who wants to get 3,000 yards in that one game, I think. Yeah, actually. I think he does. Yeah. And he might if Taylor, Taylor Luan doesn't play. And, and I have logic <laughs> to that in some way, shape, or form. Mark, 8 o'clock tomorrow. Do not be late. I won't be late. And we'll, uh, we'll get some radio done for the next couple of weeks. McLean at 8.30 from the field. Jamie Roots will be on to kick, kick off camp. And I know yes. he's going to say some things about the organization as well. And the rest of it. We'll break down position groups. It's going to be fun. Sixth year doing this together, and I cannot wait. Mark, appreciate great. it. Thanks, Johnny. All right, coming up, I will give you my ultimate 11 things to watch at training camp next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access, a training camp eve edition of Texans All Access. So, that being said, me, your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter, I am going to take a dive into well, something that I do a lot, it's called the Ultimate 11, and it's basically my way of just saying that I have a list. And with training camp coming up, I decided, can I do an Ultimate 11 of things I'm really excited about for training camp? And I said, well, yeah, it's my show, so yeah, let's do it. Now, I know a lot of people are excited about various things at training camp. I will tell you what I get most excited about with a few of these. Some of them are very player-specific to the players that are on the team now. like I'll tell you one of my all-time, all-time, all-time favorite, if, if I made an all-time Ultimate 11, it would be watching Arian Foster run at practice because the way that he ran the zone game and being down on the field to be able to see that, he was incredible. He was absolutely incredible. And I loved watching him run the ball because he was he and Terrell Davis are the two best zone game runners I've ever seen. And had the opportunity to watch that up close. Now, obviously not watching Arian this year in training camp. So this is related to this year's training camp or something that happens pretty much every year, if you follow me. So let's get going with number 11. Now, number 11 has to do with a player on this year's team and a player that has is going into his third year. And when he came here in 2017, I was shocked that he actually chose to come to the Texans. And he's not a starter, but he very well could be. He is an impactful player. Bill O'Brien has said he's potentially one of the better players on this team when he is healthy. And hopefully going into this year, he is fully healthy. And that's Dylan Cole, linebacker, special teamer. Anything you want to do on a football field, you want it done, Dylan Cole can do it. And I love watching him at practice. He is an energizer bunny, Tasmanian devil, never stops, always going, going, going. He is so fun to watch. And I cannot wait to watch... Dylan Cole back healthy and see if he can't find a way to get on the field even more with this defense if he can be fully healthy alongside Zach Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney. Number 10, it's rookies first camp. So the rookies that you want to see, the first rounders, Titus Howard, second rounders, Lonnie Johnson Jr. and Max Sharping. You want to see those guys. Now we won't see Kyle Waring for a while. He's really excited, but it's the first camp. So you get excited about seeing them, like how do the pieces actually fit in. Now, we saw it at OTAs, but you don't see them with the pads on. You don't see all of the real action going on. This is the first opportunity to do that. And I remember the first practice of Deshaun Watson up at the Greenbrier in training camp, just watching like, man, Deshaun Watson's on my team. He's on my team. This is really cool. And then watching him develop right there in front of our eyes. That's the really cool part about 
uh, a rookie's first camp, and I get really excited about that. Number nine, one-on-ones. Now, for a lot of fans, they like watching the wide receivers and the DBs, which is fun because the ball's in the air. We get excited watching the ball. I don't need to see the ball one time at a training camp practice and be satisfied because I like watching the big guys. I like watching the O-line to D-line. I love watching the pass rushers. I love watching the pass rush moves they have. And I love watching the offensive line try to counter those. And which offensive lineman steps up in one-on-ones? Which guy uh, has shown the most progress from last year to this year? Which rookie stands out in those pass rush moves? I remember last year, Duke Edgefor, watching the one-on-ones, the O-line, D-line. I'm watching going, they can't block him. He's got all kinds of pass rush moves. He's like Tasmanian Devil pulling stuff out of his, uh, or the uh, Captain Caveman pulling like tricks out of his, you know, his shoulder pads. It was like, watch this one. I mean, he was doing stuff I hadn't seen before. So I love, I could have even put this probably lower on the list. This could have been one, two, or three. But the one-on-ones, the O-line, D-line, love watching them. Number eight, it's a little bit random, but I was not a big Michigan fan, but I loved watching Karan Higdon run the football. When he was at the University of Michigan, I just loved him. He's not a big guy, but he's stout. And I watched him at the Senior Bowl, and he looked tiny in comparison to the guys on the field. But, man, he runs hard. And he was not healthy during OTA, so we didn't even get a chance to see him then. So I hope that we get a chance to see him at camp and see what he's actually able to do. Out of Michigan, Karan Higdon, the rookie. Number seven, somehow the man is doing it still and playing at a high level, and that's Jonathan Joseph, his 14th training camp. 14th. And the one thing that I I love about Joe is the fact that he will talk to anybody on the field about what that particular player's job is, and he knows what it is. Offensive line, defensive line, it doesn't matter. He knows. I mean, the players have talked for years about Joe being the first guy to to greet them coming off the field. Hey, you're seeing this coverage. Hey, when they do this, you want to – he has a football IQ that's off the charts, but just watching him do it – after all these years, has been fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing J.J. out on the field again, Jonathan Joseph. Number six, I can watch Kiki QT run routes all day. All day. Every slot route you can think of, whip, pivots, um, crossers, anything seems, uh, slot, slot fades, anything that he runs, I love watching him because to be a slot receiver in the NFL now, there's, there's a science to it. But it's more about an art. It's about changing pace, changing speeds. And Kiki QT does that really for a young guy as well as anybody I've seen. And I love the fact that he catches the ball with his hands and he makes something happen after the catch. And we got really excited about watching the first three or four days of training camp of the Green Bar last year, and then he was hamstring. And then we didn't see him again until week four against the Colts and the first game back, 11 catches. So we can get that production right away. That would be fantastic for this team, but mainly just watching him run those routes. It's just, oh, it, it's, it's watching an artist paint and be creative because that's the way he has to, to win with his releases, to be creative. How do I get loose? How do I change my pace here to throw off the defense? And he's, he's become really, really good at that, and I can't wait when they put the pads on to see him do that. Number five is very simple for me. Texas Training Camp Live. This is my sixth year doing it with Mark. And I have a blast. I have a blast. Just being there and starting our show before anything kicks off and then watching all the players come on the field and then hearing that horn blow at 9, 10, 9, 15 to start practice and we're on the air. It's just, it, you feel like such a part of it. And I just, I love Texas Training Camp Live. 8 to 10 every day for two weeks in between Payne and Pendergast and Landry and Lopez. 
we've got that too little out those two hours. Uh, we'll have it eight to ten throughout the season on Mondays, Texas Mondays, but Texas Training Camp Live. It's just awesome to sweat through a show. I don't even care. We don't have AC. It doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter whatsoever. Number four, one of my favorite things to do in games, in practice, and mainly in training camp, is watching Jordan Thomas with the ball in his hands in space. Because the first thing automatically that I do, I mean, this guy's 270, 275 pounds. So when he catches the ball in the secondary, there ain't anybody in the secondary that's within 50 pounds of this guy. And he can run, and I want to just see him run completely over secondary guys. Now, that's not always the smart thing to do, because there's sometimes he can run away from some of them. But I just love to see him with the ball in space and turn up, and it's like, all right, let's roll. I was like, he's fun to watch. Really fun to watch. So Jordan Thomas with the ball in the secondary in space at number four. Number three, it's going to be really exciting to see Will Fuller healthy. Beyond, I mean, beyond any player, just seeing him healthy again, watching him run routes. The one thing I noticed the last two years at the Greenbrier's, especially 2018, was how much separation he was getting just running routes. And it wasn't just he was running his, his nine route which a lot of people think that's all he can do. And if they do, pff, shame on you. This guy can run any route in the route tree, and he can get open. He can run a five-yard hitch route and get three yards of separation like he did against Tennessee last year. So seeing Will Fuller healthy out on the field is going to be a blast. Number two, I'm curious about Bradley Roby. When he's coming out of Ohio State, I, I knew he was talented, but I knew there were inconsistencies in his game. And I sort of followed him a little bit at Denver, and then when there were some coaching changes and Wade Phillips left, then he, there were even more inconsistencies, but you could see physical ability. When he went against Tyreek Hill, my God, it was so good. It was so, so good. Can he do that consistently? If he can, well, his defense is going to be tough. If not, oh, boy, it's going to be tough. But I want to see his speed. I want to see how he covers in one-on-ones. I want to see how he fits into the overall defensive scheme, Bradley Roby, at number two. And number one, the one thing I always love, more than anything else in football, I mean, I love the hitting, I love the physical aspect, I love the chess piece, I love the deep ball, and number four throws as pretty a deep ball as there is. I could watch Deshaun Watson throw effortless deep balls all day long. Now, I want him to hit, I want him to hit big, and they started to last year before Will got hurt, but even after Will, deep ball to DeAndre against the Jets, he hit some big throws, the big, the big throw to Vincent against the Eagles. I love watching him throw the deep ball. That is number one. So there you go, the ultimate 11 things I'm looking forward to in training camp 2019. Now, as I said, there's excitement about the offense. Why? Well, the In the Lab crew, Drew Doherty and myself, discuss that next right here in Texans All Access. One final segment of this Wednesday's edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, football analyst, silent reporter for your Houston Texans. If you missed it earlier, a little bit of fortunate news, and hopefully – it won't be long before we see Justin Reed back on the field, but he has been added to the active PUP NFI list. So hope everything's going to be okay with Justin, and he will be back in due time. But could be a procedural, and hopefully that's what it is. But just a just a heads up if you didn't hear that news that Mark and I talked about earlier in the show. All right, training camp starts tomorrow, and optimism abounds. It always does. But but the lab crew, me, my buddy Drew Doherty, discussed our optimism for this 2019 offense. I have never been this optimistic about a Texans offense. I'm very optimistic on the whole about this team. Yep. 
But I've never been this optimistic about a Texans offense, and that's because of many, many components. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson, his continued growth, uh, the addition of Carl Smith as quarterback's coach and the ideas he he can help Deshaun with, the weapons and their health. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, he's on the PUP right now, right? but he'll be out there week one. Will Fuller, looks like, knock on wood, he's going to be out there week one. Kiki QT had a great spring. Vincent Smith had a solid spring. He's yep. your fourth receiver. Yeah. And then the tight spring. ends. Yeah. Um, I'm very, very, very excited about this offense. And it got me thinking, when have I been this excited about a Texans team heading into training camp? And it's got to be 2012 was the last time I was this excited. And really... 2013 as well, even though yep. 2013 turned into a flaming pile of you-know-what, <laughs> yeah. we were pretty pumped because, man, uh, they just had that. They just kind of ran out of gas at the end. They had their struggles against the, the Patriots, but, hey, they got Ed Reed, and I'm excited. When were you this excited and this optimistic about a Texans team heading into camp? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I You know, when, I'll, I'll handle the offensive part first. I remember... I believe it was 09. It was my third training camp. And I remember watching the offense in 09, especially the passing game. And I remember just watching. I remember Schaub one day. I was like. You're talking about this heading into 09. Like this time. Heading into the. Yeah. Yeah. Like 09 training camp. Yeah. Like as a 09 training camp is going on. I remember watching and I'm like. Schaub isn't missing. Like he's moving this offense. I mean, one rep after the next. It's clockwork. So, after 09, offensively, I felt like, man, 2010. Because I remember in the spring of 2010, seeing Arian Foster for the first time. Like, as a... Not not the first time, but... I remember seeing him wear 23 for the first time. And I remember there was a lot of debate that offseason about who's going to be the running back. Oh, they didn't draft any running backs in 09. But they drafted Ben Tate in 2010... And there's the thought also that Steve Slayton was going to return right. for him. He was he, going to return. He had like 14 fumbles. So in 09. because he was dealing with the neck issue, and it, it, there was a lot of things going on. And Slates was great in 08. Arian was really good the last two games of 09, but there was not that feeling of him just reaching up and snatching that no. position. But I remember watching him in the spring of 2010, thinking, "Oh boy, this guy's going to be—he's going to be all kinds of good." And not only that he's going to be all kinds of good with this passing game that can just light it up on anybody. And so going into 2010, I was I was really excited because I thought the offense was going to be phenomenal. And then the game one against the Colts, it was. It was phenomenal. Arian ran for, you know, a couple bills. I can't remember, 241 or whatever. 231, yeah. He was just incredible. That, he was incredible that day. And I felt like, wow, that was confirmation of what I had seen at training camp. So going into 2010, I was really excited about the offense. But I remember watching the offensive training camp in 2010 thinking, man, the offense is either really, really, really good or the defense is going to get sliced up. And it was a combination. You were right about both. It was both. Both happened. Both happened. At one point in 2010, the Texans' pass defense was the worst since the NFL-AFL merger. It might have been at the end of the season, but as far as passing yards allowed, I mean, they got roasted. And roasted by the likes of, Seji Ajira Tutu. (laughs) And you're like, what did you say? It's exactly. A guy guy named Seji Ajira Tutu. Chargers. Had a a monstrous day. Mm -hmm. He should not have had a monstrous day, but he did against that defense. 
Giants. Yeah, and and you saw that on a week in, week out basis. And the thing about it was Deji Kareem. The thing about it that 2010 season was all those games were very winnable. Uh-huh. We're all winnable because the offense could do anything really it wanted to. It was, you know, that zone game was just working with Arian. I mean, it was phenomenal. But I was pretty excited. I felt like 2012, coming off 2011, because that was the year where, you know, that offseason was like, if we had that shop, if we had that shop. And it was no knock on TJ. This is that shop had had, he had had those pelts on the wall. He had been there. And you thought, man, if you can get in that same position again in 2012. What can you do? So 2012 to me was was the exciting one. Going into 2013, I know a lot of people were excited. I was one that was I wasn't, and part of it was because I worried about Shab at the end of 2012, and I thought there would be some carryover from 2012. The struggles Boy, was there ever the struggles against the Patriots. I remember this distinctly, and I and I I felt kind of bad at the time, but then I was like I you know I wasn't in the building, so I was just kind of firing, and so. Ron Jaworski was working at ESPN at the time. He was doing Monday Night Football, and he did his quarterback rankings, and he was counting down a quarterback every day. And every day was you know, he was counting it down. No shop, no shop, no shop. He got to the top ten, number ten, no shop. I'm like, he's got Matt Schaub in the top ten, and I'm telling you, it's if there's going to be a problem, I think I think Schaub could be a problem. Watch him at the end of 2012. He was not great. He was not, and so I was a little bit skeptical of 2013. Then they start off with two wins, and they weren't great wins. But it's like, hey, you got two wins, okay? Maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. And then the bottom just fell out. Well, and, and the know, bottom fell out for a lot of reasons, and not the, just Matt Schaub. But I wasn't as excited about 2013 as I was about 2012. I thought 2012 was going to be the year. And we're, it turned we're, out not to be. We're going to talk about this in a bonus in the lab podcast in the next week. But you know, people talk about the the bottom falling out with Schaub, and it did in 2013. Yep. But it started like you're saying at the end of. 2012, yeah. and I'm not just saying in December. You got you can go back to the Thanksgiving Day game because we're going to talk about that Thanksgiving. Yeah, day yeah, game. yeah, big win there, and it was a big win. But there were two just massive blunders, yeah. massive blunders by the Detroit Lions secondary. I mean, Schaub threw up a pass that you could have waved a fair catch under, and this <laughs> yeah. guy dropped it, and yeah. it was so it was starting to creep in there because that they should have closed the door on the Texans in that game, and they yeah. didn't. And that's a that's kind of what bad teams do, but they didn't play bad teams in New England, right? You know, and the, and the good right. teams took advantage of that. And it's like you said, he he started there. I think at the end of 2012, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was arm strength. It was between the years, a combo of everything. But it started then, and he got away with it in those first two games right. of 2013. And um, didn't play exceedingly well in his, those games. His first pass of 2013. Was a pick. Yeah, I mean, in his, his own end of the field. Next play on offense by the Chargers, they score a touchdown. Right. It was essentially a pick six. Right. And you know, his last pass of that season, when he was, the Texans were going to lose their fourteenth game. Last pass of the season was picked off too. Twenty thirteen was such a rough year, but I, I, and and I don't mean that as being like, oh, I looked at a crystal ball and I saw it. It's just you could see it on the field. And I, and I went back to that Patriots game, the first Patriots game when it really. What it really stood out to me because there were a couple throws in that game where I'm like, boy, he should have seen that. Yeah. He should have seen that. He should have known that was there. The interception in the end zone, and I think it was in the first half of that game. I thought, man, he that shouldn't be a throw that he makes. And I just remember going back and watching that throw closely, and like, you know, there's not as much zip. And then you know, come to find out in 2013 that he did, you know, he had he had lost some RPMs on the fastball, and it wasn't as if 
Matt had a lot of fastball to begin with, but he had a strong arm. But he had a he had a he had a he had a he had an average to above average arm. So at throws he could make. He wasn't yeah. sitting there with a pop gun arm, but he obviously didn't have a Ryan Mallett howitzer either. But you could tell that the velocity, the RPMs were off late in 12 and going on in 13. And I just hoped in 13 it was not going to be an issue and it turned out to be a major issue. But 2012 was the year where I felt like, oh, boy, okay. All let's right, well, let's circle it back around. Am I am I off base here? Should I be this optimistic? Because, I mean, I know the offensive line has to get better, but I, I still think with these weapons, man, like I think the Texans are capable of a hell of a lot. Well, let's go. Let's, let's tie the conversations together. Why – why was I so excited about 2012 in particular offensively? First of all, you were getting Shaw back, a guy that had started since 2007. And he obviously, 7 and 8, he had been banged up, but he was a Pro Bowler at 9 and 10. And 11, he had been banged up. But, you know, look, that's because Albert Hainsworth fell on his foot. That wasn't because, you know, he's not injury prone. You know, he'll be back in 2012, he'll be fine. But it's a guy that started for uh, six years. You had an offensive line up front for the most part, in 2012, that have been together. These guys have been together uh, for the most part in 2012. Um, you know, wide receivers. You know, Dre was still here. Kevin Walter was still here. You know, you had continuity. I think that's the one thing that this offense has not really had the last few years. I mean, if you think about you think about last year, you know, with the offensive line, there was a time, there was a time where all five guys were either in their first year, first full year as a starter or their first full year with the Texans yeah, on the offensive line. And, yeah, you might start some rookies this year, and that might be the case, but not across the board. You're not going to have all five guys that are new to the Texans, I, I, mean, I wouldn't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that. But let's say you start Nick Martin at center. I mean, he's his fourth year here, his third year as a starter. So you've got some experience. It's going to be the same quarterback-center combination that you've had that started last year, which is the first time that's happened since the Shaw-Chris Myers days. That's a ways back. So you have – you have continuity to go with some of the better athletes that are in this league. You talk about Will Fuller and 4-3 speed. I mean, legit 4-3 speed. DeAndre Hopkins, best receiver in the league. So those guys have been there. Will's fourth year. DeAndre's, what, seventh year? I think that's right. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, seventh year. And your young guy who's going to contribute is Kiki QT. And what right. was he doing in the spring? He was lining everybody right. up, telling them where to go. So he's exactly. got a good idea, but he's ahead of right. the game mentally. There. So. At your skill positions, you're not starting or you're not going with any rookies. You're going with guys that have been around. Deshaun is not a rookie. He's coming off a year in offseason in which he was healthy. So to me, there are a lot of arrows pointing in a, in a positive direction. I think when I read national pundits and they're talking about this team, they have, well, you know, it goes back to the offensive line. But I really don't think that there is a ton of respect given to this, to this offense and, and what it can do. But we've seen what it can do. We, we saw it uh, against the Titans in 2017. We saw it last year in stretches. We saw it at Philadelphia when, when yeah. Deshaun kind of let loose. And he didn't even have all his weapons that no. day and had no running game that day. So And he had a hobbled DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. DeAndre and, Hopkins was it, – it was up for debate whether he was going to actually play in those last two or three game. games. Yeah. He was on the field for warm-ups. And I remember he was not in the – well, not, he was on the injury report, but he, he was listed as questionable. But we had – heard that he was going to play and he's not out there for warm-ups so i'm like man maybe maybe he's not maybe but we know hop i mean he's he's tough as nails and he's gonna get out there whenever he can I mean, he fought through i don't know how many injuries in that colts game i don't know how he made it but the the point with the offense is if you get let's just say you get decent offensive line play let's just say you get that 
you've got an opportunity, man, to do some really, really good things. And and I, I spent some time going back and watching. I watched every every sack. I watched all 62 sacks. And I kind of I charted them all. Like, what was it down at distance? What what kind of rush did they face? What kind of defense were they facing? What what was the re- what was the reason for the sack? And so I studied all 62. And I just feel like there were probably 25 to 30 sacks that could could be cleaned up with with experience, with a little bit uh, more cohesive offensive line play, a little bit better offensive line play, a little quicker decisions, receivers getting in routes a little bit faster. You know, there are things that you can you can solve with all that I just mentioned that I think you're, you know, some of those, you, you know, Deshaun is third year, you know, knowing the offense, knowing, you know, reading NFL defenses. I mean, that, that in and of itself, getting a rep of doing that every single game. I mean, that's, that's really going to help him in year three um, receivers that are a little bit twitchier. They're quicker. They can get their routes. Will Fuller. I mean, how fast can he get across the field? You know, Kiki QT, how he can get his routes inside, which are just, uh, they're unbelievable to watch. I mean, the off season, he was incredible. Um, you know, and then Hop does obviously what he does. So if you get protection and you get decisions made a little bit quicker, if you get the run game, you know, look, those are all ifs, but those are all things that they don't feel like ifs. It, it feels like those things are going to get better. The key is the five guys up front, how quick can you come to a consensus on what those five should be and how many reps can you get them together so they can start working together. Yeah. Because the other thing we didn't talk about, too, with the offensive line from last year is you started – with a five against New England. The next week you had a different five. Well, you started with a five against New England, then it, it changed right. in the second quarter. Right, it changed the second quarter. Drastically. So then week two has got to change. Week three was the same as week two, but then week four you changed again. Yep. And then a couple weeks later you went back to another offensive line set. And then in week seven you're missing Calamete, so you put Manson there. And obviously Greg's played a lot. so I mean, But it's still you had no continuity of the five guys up front. So – if you can keep those guys healthy, the continuity—I I, I go back to the word continuity because I think it's so valuable in football to have continuity. Mm-hmm. Now, there are times where continuity turns into it, it being stale, and you got to you know kind of zhuzh it up a little bit. But I think you got to get to that continuity first, and if you can get continuity with guys that have been in the lineup together, guys that have some experience, and then you put a couple of of good rookie athletes like Titus Howard or Max Sharping on a line, one or both. At some point, and you feel like let them grow and get better, then you got an opportunity for this offense for us to be having this conversation about the offense year in and year out for the next how many ever years. I can't wait, man. Neither can I, Drew. It's going to be fun. Let's get it kicked off. 8 o'clock tomorrow morning on our flagship Sports Radio 610, Texas Training Camp Live. Mark and myself, sixth straight year together. Tomorrow we'll have Jamie Roots on to kick it off. The president of the Texans will have John McClain, the general, on with us every day throughout training camp. Looking forward to it all getting started tomorrow. And where this marathon goes, who knows? At the end, love to see some confetti falling down on my head. Would love that. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.